Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Confidence is one of our pillars of purpose at Lennon Courtney, but that pillar only stands on a foundation of competence and self-esteem. And one thing we know is that that is not always a continuous line. Taken from our third series, our episode on confidence is sure to put a pep in your step. This is episode one of series three. Yeah. Congratulations, us. Yeah. It's and going so well that we're going to do the same thing all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day, podcast Groundhog Day. A new issue every week. So, and that's important to sort of clear that up for people who might be confused. They're not episodes. We call them issues because we target an issue. So we the money issue, the worry issue. And I just thought it, we call them uh, the issue thing because we're dealing with the issue from our point of view. And, and today, also it's a nod to old fashioned print media. Yes. And the magazine industry. Yes, so it'll be the, the September issue. Yes, yes, yes. And with every issue, we're getting more and more confident, which is perfect because this is the confidence issue. Esther, you said that like a pro. And I would say between the three of us, we probably have a little too much confidence. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's very possible. Very possible. But then perhaps we have some tips and some, you know, wisdoms to give. Yeah. Well, that's yep. the hope. That's the hope. Wait to see my outside thing, just saying. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward. I don't Wait know what it is. Mine. <laughs> I'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a cold hard fact, first of all, to get this issue going. Uh, an internal report at Hewlett-Packard found that men apply for a job or promotion when they meet 60% of the qualifications, but women apply only if they meet 100% of them. Not, I don't think it's entirely shocking to hear that. That was in Forbes.com. It's, do you know what? It's actually, it's a funny one because we've been advocating um, for equality in various areas for probably almost 10 years, maybe more even now at mm. this stage. And that certainly, the work that I do in terms of gender equality in the workplace, that um, fact, although it is incredibly in interesting and salient it's like I'm actually sick of listening to it at this stage and I yeah, that, yeah, I mean yeah. no disrespect to you Esther but it is literally at the top of every talk it is okay. marched out as the stat and you know it's kind of funny because poor men well <laughs> do you know like it's it is a really funny issue and confidence is um it's a really big issue for for women I think it can be a really big issue for men as well but it's very very complex um, and I think that 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 stat is only part of the story and I think I, from from the work that I do it's very much around yes the woman's confidence is an issue but it's not the big issue and the big issue is kind of the culture and the structure and the legacy of what we've created but in the workplace but isn't that a comment on that very on that very notion that basically through culture and upbringing and hist- historically men by their very nature are just more cocksure when it comes to going for roles like, I can do that where women by their very nature seem to be less assured or confident right so that yeah. sets out the stall there that, that's the problem that it's a systemic problem but it is an interesting you're, you're right it's trotted out all the time um, but it's an interesting one to drill into because um, who's wrong I think they're all factors. I yeah. don't think it's right or wrong. I think they're all relevant factors. And it's, it's um, so if you, if like, this is the confidence issue. So, um, you know, if you were to survey all our listeners today and say, out of 10, how confident are you? Um, I think most people would, you know, go down a few marks, depending on the day. And also, I think one thing that we need to be kind of clear about is that confidence in itself is neither 
static nor linear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on one day you might feel like you are the belle of the ball. On another day, you just might feel mm -hmm. like you don't want to get out of bed. And and so partially, you know, that that's very psychological. It's very linked to our own confidence in who we are, our persona and our own abilities. Um, but it's not a continuum. So the, the good news about that is you have the possibility of building. And I, I, I always say confidence is a muscle. You can you can exercise it and build it and grow it. And the more risks you take, the more confident you become. But so you think that fact that's always trotted out then, that's like the end cake. But if you like, there, I sent it on to you earlier this morning that there was a, a piece in The Atlantic about confidence that plummets in puberty. So you need to kind of, that's where it needs to start and you need to look back then or is it... Is yeah. it Sorry, dwell on that now for a minute. Confidence plummets in puberty. In girls. In girls. Oh, sorry, in girls. Yeah. Okay. From the age of about 13. Uh, and what's that based on? It, it is a lot yeah. to do with how we interact with girls versus boys. boys, how we communicate with them, what the mores are, what the expectations are. Um, so there is a kind of a, a, a sort of a, it's an e easier route to say, yeah, yeah, do what you're supposed to do. Um, and it seems to be acceptable to do that with girls, whereas yeah. boys are more allowed to go off the rails a little bit, break the rules. I think, you know, girls are higher achievers, maybe statistically at school, and they're rewarded for that. And you're doing a good job and you're being a good girl. But the risk taking is more celebrated, maybe, or pushed in boys at that same age. So you're getting and a lot that of that is, to is, is subconscious bias or unconscious mm. bias. It's not that we set out in the morning to say, I'll deal with girls differently than I deal with boys. But we do because that's been our environment, you know. And actually, Carol Dweck, who wrote The Growth Mindset and who has amazing TED Talks, said, you know, it, it, it would be OK to, to reward girls perfectionism if life was grade school until the day you die. But it doesn't work like that. You need to break a few cups and glasses along the way to actually understand where your own boundaries are. Do we, do we reward girls for perfectionism ultimately because we want them to be good girls? Yes. Is that what it comes down to? Well, yeah. is the belief that boys are harder to control? Maybe that's, maybe that's the lesson they learn as, then. Well, as puberty happens and testosterone kicks in, it is, I'm telling you now, it, testosterone is a mad thing when it happens. Yeah. Now, it's not, obviously not as debilitating as estrogen as that happens to a young woman's body, but it testosterone is, it, it, it's mad. It's a, whoa, what's this big wave of madness happening to me? So I think by its very nature, testosterone does make boys probably bigger risk takers. Naturally. Naturally, right? So... Maybe there's a little bit of science in it, I'm just saying. And testosterone is actually very linked to a woman's confidence. So actually, when you lose um, hormones during um, menopause and your testosterone le levels plummet, I mean, I know friends of mine who have only now begun to acknowledge, wow, the minute my testosterone levels fell, I lost my ability to make clear decisions. I lost my confidence. Wow. I became more anxious. I wasn't comfortable. Like I'm talking big personalities who were well able to, you know, rule a room suddenly became much meeker because that testosterone is as important in women as it is in men. That's really interesting. So then if you think about, if you take that to the next level and you think about women's confidence during menopause and we're only literally lifting the lid off this now. So if you're saying, you know, women, girls, teens, women, as a, as a whole, struggle with their confidence as, as a sex. You add into that the drop in testosterone in menopause and you're actually cutting the legs from under that human and saying, well, any bit of confidence that you had now, we're going to just ship out to China and that's yeah. the end of that game. So it, and, and actually to that end, it, it really, really magnifies the need to, to 
make failure okay. And I think that's a big piece of it, that it's okay to break things. It's okay not to score the goal. It's okay to try and not score. Yeah. It's okay because actually, you know, success is absolutely impossible without failure. And I, like if you look at American society, they've already kind of wrapped their chops around that. In Europe, we're a little bit more mannered and we're not really used to it. Um, but that idea that failure is a good thing, I think is emerging as a really important message to boost confidence. Uh, particularly in women? Particularly in because women. Because if you're coming through puberty and your perfection and perfectionism is a, is rewarded and you think that's the bar you have to hit, how can you keep that up in life? It's yeah. just impossible, right? So, mm-hmm. God, it really sucks to be a woman, doesn't it, sometimes? Mm-hmm. It has its moments. <laughs> it has its moments. And I think it's even one of the most debilitating, debilitating things. When, when your confidence is low... Um, and we spoke about um, habits and the decisions that we make, 35,000 decisions in a day, um, every one of us, you know, and actually you need a certain level of confidence in order to make everyday decisions, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the, the fact is, even at that, we're obsessed by the fact that there's a right decision and a wrong decision, where in fact, it, it, it's not that way. There are only options that will lead to different results. Yeah. And, and where you go on that journey is slightly dependent on how confident you are in your own belief that you're going to get to where you're going to get. And it could be any one of six, seven, eight, nine, ten <laughs> so different to, routes. So, so to currently summarise, uh, uh, genetically, confidence is stacked in men's favour. No. No. No, it's oh, not. Okay. I mean, this is the thing. Up until the age of about 12, boys and girls have similar belief. Up until the age of about four, boys and girls believe they can be anything they want to be. And then society... And all the messages that we that we give boys and girls changes that narrative for girls at a very young age in terms of what their normality is. And then at the age of 12, they become slightly dispossessed of their own confidence. Um, who knows? Is it is it media imagery? Is it uh, is it hormones? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is because I'm not a research scientist. But you have your own anthropological anthropological uh, experiment at home. Twins, yeah. twins, or twins are fourteen yeah. now. Fifteen, fifteen, yeah. boy and a girl. Um, do they have different levels of confidence? They did. Did they? They did. Yeah. And did you see the retreat? Yeah, I did. Other, yeah. I did. I did. And. Um, Certainly at the beginning of secondary school, um, Evie hadn't found, hadn't found herself. Finn was barreling along, no problem. Evie hadn't found herself. And I, like, I, I, I knew she wasn't as confident as she could or should be. Um, and actually, I, I remember one night, and I'm sure I've told you this story, we were watching, um, and I may have even told it on the podcast before, and apologies if I have, we were watching Bref- Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, I gave her a hug when it was finished and I said, honey, all I want for you is to be confident. That's all I want to give you is the confidence that you need to get through life. And we hugged it out and we had a lovely moment and she went to sleep and all night I tossed and I turned and I woke up the next morning and I said, I want to talk about what I said last night. Your confidence is not mine to give you, it's yours to take. And nobody can give you confidence. They can give you an environment and a context in which you're more predisposed to be confident, but it's yours. You know, it's it's not a gift. So you have to stand up, lean in, take it in big fat chunks. And the risks that, that are required of you to, to get there are, are are kind of big. Wow. And I think like there is that that it, that uh, other expression, confidence is like a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. So some people are maybe 
come out just born, woohoo, I'm here, and doesn't affect them in teenage years, but other people have to work on it. But you will kind of, as you lean into making different decisions, you'll kind of go, Some people I did, nothing happened, bad happened there, I'm going to keep going and keep going. Some people going. do come out just confident. Mm. I was actually in Donegal, staying in Yurt, and we met this gorgeous couple, and they had a six-year-old. But this little kid, like, they were both shy people. Really, he was Australian, and she's uh, from Dublin, but they'd lived in America for years. Their ki- she said, we don't know where we got him. Like he's just the most confident little boy I've ever met. Chat, chat, chat to anybody that came in. No chatty kid. Now that was his personality type as well. But it was fueled by confidence. It was yeah. very interesting. And, one, and I, we were talking about it when she put it to bed. And she was like, I really don't know where he's getting it from at all. But he's like this completely unique little character that she was convinced was born like that. Yeah, and they also give, they're giving them the freedom to be that. But it made me go, yeah. God, you do get born with your personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you do. You do, and you can, I think there's, there's a predisposition, you yeah. know, and you can be predisposed to be confident. You know, life can whack it out of you real yeah. easy, and you have to protect it. And it's a bit like a human right. You can't um, just expect it to be there forever. You have to guard it and protect it and make sure that it stays with you, you know. But one of the interesting things about confidence is that it has often been maligned I think people think oh cocky loves herself you know (laughs) and you know and so it's kind of almost like a negative um but I think there's a very very big difference between that kind of um floating self-assuredness and the confidence of knowing that you're good at what you do Mm -hmm. and that it's grounded in competence and in a body of work and in an understanding that you have value from within. Yeah. You know, so actually, if you if you were to say to somebody, how do you want to build your confidence? Actually, what what are you good at? What are you really good at in your in your job? You would hope that you're going to be good at your job. And if you're not, you have some serious questions to ask of yourself. But if you're good at it, then you should be able to grow your own confidence in it because you will be perceived as being competent yeah. and that gives you a great foundation to work yeah. from so I, I lost my confidence actually and I look back now I didn't realise I had I was really confident and I don't I mean I was I had a great upbringing obviously my my parents are both very confident and so we went into the world and I was confident to come out at 19 in, in 90s Ireland and you know, so that's real confidence and I'd real and confident to spend years trying to become a TV presenter and com- to believe I could do it and I believed I could do it and I got it and then I went to England and I I had a tough time there. I, re- I mean, I worked, but I had a tough time and it shook my confidence I'm much more. So I, I actually stopped putting myself out there a little bit and just took the safer road. And then I realized I was doing it and I was like, what am I doing? And then I went straight back in. But you re- you have to really work hard. You have to, to get, work at it. You have to work hard at it. And was that partly because maybe there was things on your personal life or was it because you were like, bit of both. there's so many other presenters coming at well, me. And no, I, a bit I, of both. It was harder to. But no, it was a bit of both. It was bad agency decision, a couple of tough gigs where I, I came, I was Brendan Courtney in Ireland and in London I was, you know, I, was, I wasn't me anymore, which I really enjoyed at first because I was anonymous again and I was going out and having fun in a city that nobody really knew me or cared. And I'd had a good few years here being like the Brendan I was like, this is quite interesting to just be completely dropped into an anonymous world all of a sudden again in my early 30s mm-hmm. and enjoyed that element of it. But actually that stripped away my confidence because I'd worked really hard here. You can do, and I had to yeah. start all over again in a much more competitive environment. And I, I managed, I, I worked all the time, but it was really tough. Yeah. It's a tough environment. Yeah. You know, London is a tough place, right? Yeah, is, so yeah. you can see that. But actually, if you if you were to bring it to a much smaller catalyst, I remember when I lost my confidence and it was actually 
What? Um, when? Yeah, I did. When when after I had the twins and I spent six months essentially in a beautiful cotton wool bubble of being a new mom with very busy new mom with two babies um, and a large dog. Uh, but it, it it that I remember not wanting to go into town because I didn't really I wasn't really able I wasn't able to talk to people I didn't really want to I was afraid to jump back in even though I had to go back to work it felt like there was a really big barrier between me and the life outside of that motherhood thing and if you think about how many women have babies you know yeah. It, it and we wonder why women don't go back to work, yeah. you know? You, and it is a, a, a kind of a minute institutionalization where yeah. you're in a different kind of environment. And and environment is everything. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. everything. It's why why we do what we do, you know? And and like that, I knew I had to do it. I had to get back out. You push, you push, you push against the the the, the fears and and the perceived risks and all of a sudden you know, your normality has changed back again and you're in the thick of it and you can't remember how you could have felt like that. It really just triggered a thought. I remember, uh, can you imagine this, right? So I had a big hit TV show here, two or three or whatever I was doing here. I went to Ireland and people say, what do you do? And I would be embarrassed to say I was a TV presenter. I'd say I work in media. And John Gilbert, one of my oldest best friends, said, stop saying you work in media. You sound like a wanker. I was like, really? I thought that lessened the blow because when I'd say to people, I'm a TV presenter, they go, oh, are you? It's like saying you're a model. They go, really? You know, what have I seen you on? And I had just, I was doing late night stuff and ITV and stuff. But it really, that took my confidence because I was saying something that was true in one territory, but not necessarily true in a new territory. And I felt like a bit of a, a fraud. I felt like an imposter. Yeah, It's funny because I, I, I was obviously doing a little bit of thinking about this and thinking, well, if you had a, a roadmap to, to, yeah. to grow somebody's confidence. Because I can imagine the people I know would probably listen to this and go, yeah, 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 yeah get to the tell tips. Me about, <laughs> yeah, tell me Well, we actually, before we get to those uh, uh, tips and excitement, exciting things like that, let's take, take a little break for a couple of... You're on. I need, yeah, to, go, let's I need to go for a week. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, people are listening to this, as we said before the break, and want to know give us advice and tips and practical things we can do. So, Sonia. Well, th- this is, some of this is my own musings and some of it's taken from from readings and things that, that I, I've Before you absorbing. continue, can I just say, well, we've written two books on confidence. Yeah. What? So as what? part of the TV series, we realised that we were not experts on uh, psychology or helping people in their brain space. What we could do is give them a good hair day, as we say. So we bring them back. And if you start to work on the outside, it automatically started to trigger the inside. Mm-hmm. So we wrote down how we did there. I little tips and tricks for people particularly around how they looked and uh, we found it was much more um, effective when you started there because it was you're not going into their brain or their world or their breakup or their disease or their children or whatever's happened Mm. to them you're just talking about how they look and you could get tap into that really gently with people well that's actually it's one it's one of the points i want to bring up so there's this great line which is confidence is an essential ingredient for turning thoughts into action wishes into reality so it's kind of Say a that again now. confidence is mm-hmm. an essential ingredient for turning thoughts into action, wishes into reality. And the reason I like that is because this action piece is vital, but you have to start at the beginning. Right. So we've done a huge amount of personal development. Uh, you know, we, we kind of it's a game we play. We yeah. absolutely love it. We're about to undertake a master's in equality, diversity and inclusion we've together. We've got places. <laughs> So what I believe this kind of stepping stone piece is, the first thing is awareness and understanding, well, you know, 
what are my challenges? And we've spoken about this before in terms of, you know, understanding whether your obstacles are in your control or not in your control or under your influence. So in fact, what we're saying is let's short circuit 20 years of hard knocks and learning. And this is where you start. And it's that self-awareness piece. So sit down with a piece of paper and, you know, first thing first, mark your confidence level out of 10 and do that once a month and chart your own development level. I'm pretty, uh, yeah, look, it's, I suppose a little bit. Let's play another game. What do you think my confidence level is? I think your confidence level is probably around an eight out of 10. Spot on. What would you say yours is? I'd say you're about an eight. Yeah, maybe. I think I'm getting stronger. I had the same thing where I, a couple of years ago, I really was just like, uh, lost I, yeah, yeah what am I doing and I made myself really small and you kind of have to it takes like baby steps you it have does. to say the thing out loud and I think I want to do that and then you kind of build and build and build so I'm definitely feel more comfortable now but yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the yeah. second piece and this comes back to what you were talking about cha- about changing the appearance in off the rails is acceptance so you can't come to an awareness of where you are and say well things will be better when I get there the mm-hmm. point is I'm here now yeah. what am I going to do with it and that's really you know I don't care if I'm not the dress size I want to be this is my body this is where I am in the moment right now and this is the best and that I was can a look huge it was massive piece of work that we figured out ourselves and would do with the woman say no 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 take the guilt dress that you bought for your sister's wedding out that you're now two sizes too big for chuck it chuck it because yeah. you're, you're, that's you're setting yourself a too high a target let's start right now and once you found something that looked good on their body now they just opened up mm-hmm. and they were like, okay you're right I'm wrong I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself too high a bar to try and achieve happiness yeah so don't postpone things indefinitely no. till the house is clean till the back garden no, paint, no. You know, da, da, it's da, da, right yeah. now it's happening now, right yeah. now um, the third piece is ownership so once you understand who you are and, and what you are and accept it it's to own it Okay, so if confidence is born out of competence, where are your competencies? So rather than focusing on what you can't do, focus on what you can do and own it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know, I know I, I walk confident, confidently down the street. I know that that exudes then something yeah. that is some form of low level power that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know, for example, <laughs> I was walking down the street yesterday and two guys in a white van were coming from behind me and looked to, to look at the front of me having seen the back of me and probably went oh <laughs> no they went hubba hubba what but uh, anyway that's fine I'm okay with that because I was I was jaunting down the street I was happy out you know the fourth piece is authenticity and I think one of the biggest challenges to confidence is when you're trying to be something you're not mm-hmm. you know so so let that go unhitch that baggage because you don't need it what you are is what you've got until you've got something more the fifth of six is ambition so if you really are serious mm-hmm. about this yeah. you need some sort of drive to get from A to B so if you're not happy where you are or you've accepted where you are but you don't want to be here forever what's the what's the push the rocket field that's going to get you from here to de- there and the final one is action so none of this is worth anything unless you're going to do something about it you know and the action piece is vital and that's where confidence really comes in that if you build that muscle you're more able to take risks to fight the fear and you know I I just everything changed for me when we started off the rails everything and in fact I'm going to say it right now ahead of schedule you are my outside thing you are because we 
my context changed, my environment changed, my narrative changed, everything changed when I started off the rail. So I would have been confident with a lowercase c up until that point, Com- very competent at my work, slightly bordered in my thinking, um, definitely not taking very many risks. Um, but when when we developed a new story in a new context, I suddenly felt... So what? Well, first of all, I'd taken a huge risk to anyway, join yeah. half, Off the Rails and I realised that I hadn't fallen off the face of the earth and everything was still okay. Yeah. And I think it was that, t- take one big risk, something you think you can't do. And like, so what? Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, do you think like the walls fell down? You're like, oh, there's a whole other room out here. Totally. A, whole, yeah, a bigger. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that idea of, you know, living in a sense of static potential is mm-hmm. abhorrent to me yeah. that you think that wherever you are right now is where you're going to end up why would you do that with your that life that is the great gift and fear and also um, side sort of benefit to being freelance when you learn to live in freelance land you actually your confidence goes through the roof in terms of risk taking mm-hmm. so I remember I was working at Toronto Productions I was on a salary I was a researcher and they I went to the now beautifully a wonderful mentor of mine Joan Egan who's now deceased was the MD and I said I want to go into television I want to come off and she was like you're on a salary you're getting holiday pay are you mad and I was like I want to work and I know and she said you're crazy you've got I'm going to give you five months work and then you're out and I was like okay I'm going to do it and I was terrified but then like that I was like oh Everything's okay. Yeah, everything's okay. And once I learned to take that, that's really powerful. Yeah. And the then you're not afraid to take chances. But I think what you said there about potential is interesting living in that. I think pe- people do, and I know I've done it, I could if I wanted to, but I'm going to stay here. And, so, that, and that's okay if you feel like... Yeah, because I really relate to that with other people as well. Yeah. So hold on. That's fascinating me now. So, sorry, I'm turning my back on the camera. Oh. Um, so if you live in this potential bubble that you don't break out of, right, does that mean it's probably based on fear of failure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, fear of success. You said yeah. the, last, the last series, yeah. Um, and I think another word I wrote down is you were both talking there a second ago was self-deprecation. When you kind of are moving towards it, like you did in London a bit when you moved over, first of all. It's don't a, start me on self-deprecation. As yeah. Irish people, that's mm-hmm. our default. Mm-hmm. Asher, we're gas. Asher, yeah. don't mind me. Asher, I'm no good at that. That's our default, which is half of our charm, which is the other unfortunate element about self-deprecation. It's a very charming quality in a human that they would to belittle themselves to make you feel better and that's a very cultural thing that is really bad for confidence in the long run because foreign people you know to Irish people go mm-hmm. why is that guy saying he's crap at his job yeah <laughs> he's really saying he's good <laughs> yeah. at his job you know and if you think about the language that we use every day that is a kind of a stick to beat ourselves with in terms of and you said it a minute ago and you kind of took it back was I'm trying to I'm, mm. I'm trying to become a such and such and um, I'm only you know I'm only doing this job because I, I just did this and you know all these kind of um, descriptors that mean eh you're not you that know? good or I'm, I might uh, are you going to be able to make it tonight um, I'm going to try well then you're not yeah, yeah, <laughs> do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean you're not coming yeah. but I think I think it. that that competence that breeds confidence, creates a sort of a disposition that is kinder to others. Yeah. I think it's actually that sort of, um, that churning self-doubt that creates meanness in people. Yeah. You know, so once you get to the stage where I'm really good at it, I accept that I'm really good at it. And I, 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 was, I was thinking about this earlier, I was thinking, actually, the best kind of confidence is kind and inclusive confidence, which creates an openness and generosity that's hard to knock. And essentially... 
it's not confidence for you. It's confidence like in a banquet table for everybody. Yeah. So you're saying, this is who I am. I'm really happy with it. I believe in what I can do. But come on, let's all go. You yeah. know, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's this kind which of... Is, which is exactly, honestly, how I've lived my life until I started to see people who were coming to me pretending to be radiators were actually Hoovers. <gasps> You're like, hold on a second. You mean a uh, radiator Hoover, Hoover situation? <laughs> Hoover dressed as a radiator? Oh, no. This you is know? making me think, though. And it, from the very start of the conversation, I wanted to, because I know um, specifically a couple of women in my life right now, and maybe one man, actually, who will blame their loss of confidence on another. That's, right? They're missing ownership. So even though we will joke about the Hoovers and the radiators, it's actually up to you, isn't it? Only your job. And that's back so what's to what your I, advice to somebody who's like going scratching their head now listen to this going yeah but how do I start where do they start but would you just go first of all stop blaming you have to look inward first of all 100% even though that even person might have been a horrible person but what if it was a boyfriend or a lover someone who broke your heart and they took your confidence that's, that's a reality right that's right but you both have patterns I think once you recognise a pattern that you follow in a relationship because of the pattern you learned growing up or whatever that is then you can go okay well I see this in me and I see why that person so is you know, that's so what the awareness is so unless yeah. you examine what's actually yeah. happened, where it's come from, you won't break the cycle. Exactly. You don't want to bore people with you it see, either. You see, the problem is, even, 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 <laughs> even radiators can have an agenda and the agenda is to keep you where you are because mm. they like you where you are. Mm. Yeah, you know? you and they mean that with love. Because, because you fulfill a need yeah, for them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you do a certain job within their um, grand scheme of things and, and it suits them better when you stay there. But, you know, life's not like that really. And, and that radiator, with all the best intentions, may have no ambition to move anywhere beyond their own position, yeah. you know? So it's not a nastiness or a meanness. It's actually just liking the status quo. Mm -hmm. Brand, what's your outside thing? My outside thing is a book I was given when I was 11 or 12, um, which uh, I didn't realize how good it was because I gave it to my niece when we were in Connemara a few weeks ago. And it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's written in 1939. And it is an advice book the name of the author has just flipped out of my head. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very famous book, as you know. I think you've read it, have you? I have, yeah. yeah. Um, and it is a guide to listening. It's how to win friends and influence people. Specifically around employment, by the way. And he talks really interestingly about he was commissioned to study 50 successful millionaires in the 30s, 40s and 50s in, in America. And he cut, he did the first thing of habits of really successful people. And the biggest habit is, is actually listening and letting the person that you're listening to know that you're listening to them. And um, I gave it to my 11 year old niece, who's the brightest penny in the in the purse. She really is. She read it in two days. That's why right, get it. It's good. It's really easy to read. And it's written in kind of oldie worldly English. It's quite cute. And I said, summarize it for me. And she's Sorry, she's 12. Um, and she said, uh, okay, so he basically is telling you that the only way you can build your own confidence or sell well or get what you want from people is to make them and convince them. And she said this, that you are interested in helping them get what they want. And I thought, That's, God, that book is really good. I must read it again. So I started reading again quickly. Uh, and it, it really is about building your confidence in the workplace. It's a brilliant book. It was, mm. and my dad gave it to me was seven. And actually, very sweetly, when I took it, I took it out of my mum's a few weeks ago, and it's inscribed from my father and stuff like oh, that. So cute. It. And she thought she lost it at some point, which is very sweet. She got very upset about it because she knew how important it is. But it's a brilliant book. And <laughs> um, so, can we can we wrap up with three things, or even just one little tip to people as we head off? Into I would say, session. if you really are struggling with confidence at work, particularly, go and buy that book. 
how to win friends and influence people. It's a really jolly little read. You'll read it in a couple of days. It's mm-hmm. very light, but it does have really basic good advice for professional confidence and little tips and tricks you can do. It's, it's and actually, really nice. I'm going to give another uh, reading tip as well, which is an amazing book called How Women Rise, which was oh, written by Malcolm, uh, no, Marshall Goldsmith and Sally Hegelson. And it is... Um, really a must read for women in professional life and in in life in general around the the 12 or 13 um, inhibiting behaviours that hold women back and it it fully acknowledges that there are cultural and and, and structural issues that that are standing in the way as well but but the one that really stood out to me was rumination and that women ruminate on issues instead of just letting them go and and I think that can be kind of a real barrier to progress there you go. That's Don't it, Esther. Do you want something else, Esther? <laughs> um, I was hoping for something in a recording. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm going to give you um, 9 out of 10 for that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our top pick from Series 3 of the Len and Courtney podcast. If you're thirsty for more, have no fear. Fresh new episodes are released every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss us. And follow us on at Lennon Courtney on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for all our latest updates. Right.